0: Back-to-back starts that went into the seventh inning? What kind of sorcery is this? We debrief a few Yankee wins down in Baltimore, dive into the beta catcher, and look ahead to their series against the Tigers. And our special guest this week is the Ringer podcast host and SNY personality, JJ After Dark, John Jastrzemski. Lots to do next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post.
1: straight
2: Pod. Your post. All
0: Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You could follow me on Twitter at Chris Sheeran, yes, and Nelly at nynelly43. He's also on Instagram at jeff.nelson43. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown pop in during the show. Go give us a five-star rating and write in a positive review on Apple Podcasts. We surely appreciate it. New episodes drop Mondays and Thursdays. Our special guest this week later in the pod will be former WFAN overnight host and now working for the Ringer, plus a huge Yankees fan, huge, John Jastrzemski. But first, we welcome in my co-host, the Yankee great, Jeff Nelson. Jeff, Yankees now 11-13. and Uh, As we tape this, they've taken the first two of three from Baltimore with one more to play. These are the teams like the Indians and the Orioles and the Tigers who are next that the Yankees should be beating. So, so far, so good.
2: Oh, it's so nice to have Baltimore in your own division when you're playing these guys 19 times. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's sad because I grew up in Baltimore and grew up an Oriole fan, and used to even when I played, the Orioles always had good teams, and they always looked like a major league team. They've looked like a Triple A team for years now, and you know it's it's a good thing for the Yankees because now they can gather themselves and get themselves back on track against weak teams, and when they go and play a really good team, maybe everything will start. Are clicking like it is has been on this road trip
0: yeah you know they're seven and three jeff against the indians and orioles they have a plus 22 run differential so far against those two teams against the braves rays and jays that run differential is negative 21 and they're four and ten so i get that we're very happy that the yankees are going through these teams like the indians orioles and hopefully You would hope for the love of God they go through the Tigers, who are the literal Durham Bulls, eight and sixteen. Larry? What's our record? Eight and 16. How do we win eight? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. They need to sweep the hell out of the Tigers this weekend. But the question remains, Jeff, when they get back, because after a day off, they got the Astros and Nationals. It's like going from fantasy land right back into reality. So while this is good that they're beating these teams, we still have to wait. It's a wait and see to see if the Yankees are competitive against teams that are over 500.
2: Well, I mean, like I said, you're playing these teams that you should beat, and this is where you gain your confidence. And as far as your starting rotation... Some guys that have some really good outings. Herman two in a row. You had Kluber that threw really well. Uh, Now you can get Montgomery and maybe Tyone back on track. And then your rotation is set going in against some of the better teams in the the American League or or baseball because of the interleague play. So this is where you gather confidence. You know, you realize, hey, we are a good team and we can start playing like it. And when we do face the Astros and Nationals, and the Nationals have really had their struggles as well, it's really been surprising that – they've been as bad as they've been. Uh, so they're a last place team right now in the NL East. And this is all about confidence. And you can see the confidence. But the thing of it is, is that they win on homers. If they're not hitting homers, they're not winning. So if you face good pitching that can keep you in the ballpark, the Yankees will have trouble.
0: Yeah. A game and a half separates the entire NL East with the Nationals in last. And, you know, no one's really running away with the American League East either. The Boston Red Sox are 16 and 9 as we tape this here on a Thursday with the Yankees at 11 and 13. And you brought up the rotation, Jeff. And uh, let's, Go there because the past couple of games we've seen Corey Kluber and Domingo Herman uh, go back to back into the seventh inning. Herman throws seven and Kluber throws six and two thirds. By far his best start. And I'm going to throw this out there, too. Uh, I know he's always the lightning rod of this team. I heard Jack Curry on WFA and the other day talk about how Sanchez is the lightning rod like Alex Rodriguez was when he was on this team. Everything kind of focuses on him, no matter how many other players are playing bad. It's Gary Sanchez, who takes the brunt of the criticism. But if you take a look at the last two starts uh, by the Yankees with Kyle Higashioka behind the plate, you've got Kluber Jeff, who had his best start of the year, and you had Herman who also had his best start of the year. So there's definitely something with that. And I texted you yesterday, and I'll bring it up. Joe Girardi always used to say about the catching position, just play defense. Offense is gravy. I am a huge proponent of that. Gary Sanchez can run into one. That's absolutely true. But he's also not giving you good at-bats. I heard Tom Verducci say this yesterday yesterday. Over the past four seasons, 177 Major League players have had a 1,000 plate appearances among those players. Sanchez has a 199 batting average, 16 points worse than anybody else. His OBP is 296. That's 10th worst. He's hitting 173 against fastballs the last two years. When do you just pull the plug? I, I know I gave you a lot there with the starters and the catching, but it kind of goes together. Uh, just give me your thoughts on everything.
2: Well, you get criticized for a reason. So it isn't like somebody all of a sudden gets, you know, media or fans or front office. They just don't criticize guys just to criticize them. They criticize them for a reason. Uh, So, you know, as far as Gary Sanchez and A-Rod, they got criticized because they deserve to get criticized. You just don't all of a sudden say, hey, pour it on me because I deserve it or I don't deserve it. Uh, Higashioka. It's not a coincidence that these starters are going deep in a game and throwing their best outings because he's behind the plate. It is because he's behind the plate. Uh, offensively, if he can give you something and he has given you something, it is. You know, I agree with Joe Girardi, but at the same time, Joe Girardi was not really a great hitter, so he prided himself on trying to be a great defensive catcher and call games and get starters through the game and get him deep into the game. And that's what a catcher is supposed to do. You look at Jorge Posada. I always love throwing to Jorge Posada. And I hope that we can get him on. I'm, I'm really trying to get him on our podcast. And we can talk about that a lot. You know, he was a guy with David Wells that got him deep into the game. And for one, he jumped his ass. Uh, you know, he didn't let him give up on the mound. And if he wasn't feeling great in the first couple innings, you know, David Wells had a tendency to say, uh, you know what, I, I, I'm not, I just don't have it today. I'm going to go in the locker room. And, and Posada didn't want to hear any of it and wound up going seven, eight innings. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's thrown a great outing. Uh, higashioka is that kind of catcher you know it's not coincidence that kluber had his best outing he had a great changeup the other night against the orioles he, his slider was a little bit better his confidence level you could see it on the mound herman has thrown terrific i mean you look at cole has thrown great with higashioka behind the plate i'm a reliever so obviously i'm throwing one or two innings or a hitter or two hitters Uh, You know, as far as a catcher, all I wanted those guys to do is move, move on the plate. Don't stay stationary. I hate when guys stay right behind the middle. I didn't care if a hitter or a runner knew where the catcher was sitting up, sit up. You still have to hit my stuff, and and Posada and Girardi and Layritz and, and and those guys knew. Okay, when Nelly gets ahead or Nelly needs this, he needs to move. Starting pitchers are so good; they're so they they don't want to keep thinking out there. As far as oh, I got to keep shaking this guy off, or hey, if I bounce one with a guy on third, is this guy going to block it? They want everybody. Those starters want to be locked in a game. Those starters want to have such a rhythm with that guy behind the plate that it's almost a no-brainer. When we have CC Sabathia on and, you know, he, what did he say? He says, you know what, I would go out there and I would just almost let the catcher call the game and we were in such sync. And some of it was with Gary Sanchez. You know, I just rolled through the game. I didn't want to think about different things. I want a catcher to realize what that hitter's trying to do, or, or hey, you know, is is he standing differently in the plate? Because you'll watch hitters. You know, after you get them out one way, they'll stand differently in the plate, and they'll start looking for that out pitch. And a catcher needs to know that. A pitcher doesn't want to keep, uh, you know, thinking out there and saying, "Oh, is this guy doing this or this guy doing that." You know, it's just such a rhythm. And, and back in my days, we had Andy Pettit and Jim Lavoritz. Now Joe Torre was not a big fan of Jim Lavoritz, but Pettit was at his best when Jim Lavoritz was behind the plate. Those guys were just in sync so well, and you couldn't help. Hey, this is our this is our best chance to win. Hey, Jorge Posada is a great catcher. You know, Girardi a great catcher, but at the same time. I'm getting eight innings and maybe a complete game out of Pettit. He's throwing his best starts with Laverits. For some reason, these guys click. And you know, that's just the way it is. If you want to win ball games, you put your best guy behind the plate. And your best guy right now is Higashioka.
0: It is, and it was last season in the playoffs, and we saw that when Higashioka started against the Rays in that division series, and when the Yankees were up against it in Game 4, Jordan Montgomery started. I don't know if you remember specifically, Nelly, but I remember very vividly sitting on my couch and and, uh, scoring the game, and there was a dicey situation with a runner on third, and Montgomery... It means so much, and we all know that the issues that Gary has had blocking balls and how he's changed his uh, stance and how he's lower to get the lower strike and helps him block balls, and he's done a better job. He has gotten better at it. That is a fact, but in that game against the Rays, the Yankees didn't trust him. It's been 12 years. The guy has been with the organization since he's 16 years old. He is now 28 years of age. If you're still teaching this man how to catch or how to adjust, you have to start looking towards the future. And you have Giancarlo Stanton clogging up your DH spot for how many more years? So it's not like Gary Sanchez could just slide into the DH role. He can't, unless you get rid of uh, Giancarlo Stanton. But I I don't know what the Yankees are going to do here, Jeff, with this situation. I know Aaron Boone is starting Sanchez with Montgomery Thursday as we tape this. And then he's going back to Higashioka again. And he's going back and forth and back and forth. I don't know how this is going to shake out. But Higashioka is the better defensive option. That's the way I would lean. I would roll with him like like a hockey team would roll with a hot
2: goalie in the playoff. Well, the problem is, is that they should have let Sanchez be good somewhere else. I, I, I said it in the wintertime. I said it in, before the season. You know, he's just, uh, you know, even at the end of the year last year. He, Some he's place just not, where he
0: could relax and just play.
2: Yeah, he's not good in New York. The The start that he had against the Blue Jays the first three, first three games were fool's gold. It, it wasn't something that you're going to see the rest of the season. He's a big mental guy. All his players know it. The coaching staff knows it. He's a very good talent and it's being wasted in New York. And here's the problem is because now all of a sudden you're going to play Higashioka. Now, is he an everyday catcher? Who knows? You know, he's never really got the opportunity in the big leagues to be an everyday guy. You don't know if he can handle the grind of being an everyday catcher. With Sanchez, he is supposed to be your number one guy. His value, as far as trade-wise, is way, way down. It's probably the worst that it can be. The only way to get it back up is to try to play this guy and try to move him at some point. Unless some team says, hey, you know what? I can make this guy a superstar. But it's the idea that are the Yankees going to let that happen? Or are they so stubborn that they're like, hey, I cannot let this guy go because at some point he's going to be a good player. Well, he may be, but it's not going to be with New York. And you have to realize that.
0: I know he's... 31 years of age, but I would have ran through a brick wall to go get Sal Perez. I love the way he calls the game. I love the way he frames pitches. He's a leader back there. Uh, Kansas City locked him up, though. But that would have been a definite way to solidify that position with Higashioka as the backup. And you could have given Gary, you know, they say it all the time in sports. Jeff, you know a change of scenery sometimes it helps. Sometimes you know you just go off into the sunset. You're never the same player ever again. Ask Kevin Moss. <laughs> how'd that yeah, work out yeah. for him? I yeah. mean, I'm not saying Gary Sanchez is Kevin Moss. However, you listen to those numbers that I that I brought up from Tom Verducci: 178 against fastballs. He's supposed to be destroying right. fastballs.
2: And the thing of it is, is that you look, you're going to win on pitching and the Yankees out of anyone should know that. And in order to win on pitching, you got to have somebody behind there that's going to be able to get the best out of your pitchers. Right now it's Agassioka and that probably can be the rest of the year. You know, he takes pride in his defense. He's hit the ball, the ballpark a few times. Offensively, it's a bonus. And Girardi's right in a lot of ways. Hey, you know, he absolutely has the best maybe all around catcher on his team right now in, in JT Realmuto. Uh, so that's easy to say, hey, it's gravy, but you're right. I mean, if you have a good defensive catcher, I've had that out in Seattle. I had Pat Borders on 01 when he, he was a former Blue Jay, might be one of the best catchers in the world in, in baseball. I've thrown to Pudge Rodriguez, a Hall of Famer, absolutely a stud at both offensively and defensively. And we had a guy named Dan Wilson, who wasn't a great and Wilson, offensive it wasn't, player, but yeah, he's a great a, defensive
0: guy. He was a good catcher. Absolutely. Before we bring in our guest, John Dostromsky, now look, this was in our pre-production meeting here for this podcast. And everyone knows by now that listens to this, that our producer, Jake Brown, is a huge met fan so i will put my tail between my legs i will wait for him to open up his mic because i know he wanted me to mention this that the yankees lost the first game to the orioles to matt harvey so (laughs) very
1: on a monday (laughs) in baltimore coming to a theater near you the dark night
0: (laughs) rises again (laughs) see he was just
1: waiting no the snow is hidden the top shelf (laughs) bottles are hidden The models are coming and
2: summer is coming. I saw him throw. I saw him throw against the Marlins uh, about two starts ago. And he didn't look that bad.
1: He's actually given up three or less runs in every start except one. People people are
0: already talking about the Yankees dealing for him before the deadline. And I I actually, you know, it was a couple of years back where I I talked to our buddy, Nick Totoro on my yes podcast. And I said, I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to get the Dark Knight over here in the Bronx to try to resurrect him just to piss me off. The last thing you want
1: is Matt Harvey back in New York City at Lavo every Sunday <laughs> night at One Oak because that is what doomed him. Matt Harvey was once regarded higher than Jacob deGrom. Now, if you said that, I'd say you're smoking crack. So never say that. <laughs>
2: Well, you look at Harvey's first three years in the big leagues. This guy was going to be a stud. He was a hall of famer. Oh my
1: god, the the hype he had! I mean, that rotate oh uh-huh. rotation. But I mean, Degrom was an afterthought. Now Degrom is one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and Matt Harvey is just trying to stay in the league. And I give him credit. You know, he he came back with the Reds. He wasn't like awful, but now it's still early. I'm not. I mean, he's still again with the whole four and five inning things. He went six for the first time against you guys. So we'll see if he keeps it going. He hasn't exactly faced uh, murderers Rose offenses so far. But yeah, I think hey, Harvey
0: on? thought he was actually Batman the way Syndergaard thinks he's actually Thor.
1: Yeah, no, I mean those uh, those days are long gone for Matt Harvey. But just the thought of you know, I enjoyed seeing that Monday. Not going to lie, and I'm sorry for your loss. So.
0: <laughs> that thank you very much. And uh, with that, uh, now right after this, uh, we will bring in. Uh, and how how about that? L- look at that segue. As uh, JJ After Dark always says, "Back after this with." J.J. After Dark. Joining the Pinstripe Pod now is John Jastrzemski. He's the host of New York, New York on The Ringer and Spotify and SNY contributor. Of course, formerly J.J. After Dark on WFAN. He's a Yankees fan. You could follow him on Twitter at John underscore Jastrzemski. J.J., nice to have you on, brother. Fellas, my pleasure. I love what you guys are doing with the pod.
3: I'm reuniting with you, Chris. Reuniting <laughs> with my guy, Nelly. I got Jake here, who is basically the odd man out because he's rocking the Mets gear. But oh, all <laughs> good, guys. What's happening, man? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, this is a weekly thing that we have to deal with the blue and orange when we're trying to just deal with the navy and white. But, you know, we, we get along uh, for the most part. He still owes us a stake, which he hasn't come through with. Yes. You got to
3: pay your bet, you No, know, it's going to on, be
1: one
2: well, of those things, double or nothing. No, no it's crap. coming. <laughs> Memorial Day,
1: like June, it gets a little warmer. People, everyone's vaxxed, all that. It's happening. Don't worry.
0: Hey, Nelly, let's not let's not go nuts. I mean, we could both get the porterhouse for two. I mean, yeah. come on. You better wow. get
1: the porterhouse for two if you wait you're
3: late <laughs> paying the bank. Come on now. It better be down
1: nuts. Yeah. JJ, you're a big Peter Luger guy. I always see you and Caroline at uh is it Peter Luger's? It's the best, man.
3: Best steak in town. There are a lot of good ones, but Luger's hey, it helps that it's like a fifteen minute drive from the apartment, too. To <laughs>
0: All right, JJ, let's talk a little current Yankees here. I I know you're a rabid as fan as as I am. Nelly's not that rabid fan, but Nelly's that rabid ex-player. So we can both get into this. And we started the show today by talking about the curious case of Gary Sanchez. We just... We don't know what's going on with this guy. We know the old world player he can be, and it's on both sides of the ball, John. But we just want to get your thoughts, JJ, on what you think of what's going on with Sanchez right now. Well,
3: guys, I feel like in many ways I've been like the biggest Gary Sanchez apologist, and I've pushed him, it feels like, year after year after year. Uh, I think the reality is Gary Sanchez kind of is what he is over the last couple years. He's got pop. He's got a good arm behind the plate, but he's just not going to hit for a high average. He's going to go through these massive funks. And, you know, for the time being, a team that's not really scoring a whole lot of runs, Higgy is swinging one of the hotter bats in the lineup. He's got a bunch of home runs. He's gotten a couple of big hits. And I kind of think we're at the point now where you know Higgy's catching Garrett Cole. That's a given. But I think Higgy now has earned even more playing time over these next couple weeks. Gary goes on a hot streak. That can change. But I think you're basically looking at a 50-50 timeshare here with the catching situation.
2: And that's tough, J.J., because Sanchez is the type of guy that he uh, can't—he's not a backup. He's a guy that almost needs consistent reps. And whether it's consistent reps or not consistent reps, I don't know if the guy will ever hit— and he's not a great catcher. You know, I said in the wintertime and even at the end of the year, the Yankees should move on from Sanchez. And, and as it's coming into the season and after the first month, it's almost looking like they missed a big opportunity to try to trade this guy in the winter.
3: The only thing, Nelly, I wonder what they would have gotten in return. You know, he's coming off that year where he hit, what, 150, 160. And listen, I think you're right long-term. Gary Sanchez is probably not going to be a Yankee so I guess from that standpoint, anything you would get would be better off. But I think the Yankees felt like they owed it. I don't know if it was to Sanchez or to Brian Cashman and themselves to see if they could somehow, some way, get that guy we saw in 2016, get that guy we saw in 2017. Heck, even the guy we saw in 2019 for the first half, who was an all-star and hit a bowl out of home runs, I think the Yankees were hoping they could find that guy. Maybe they do at some point this year, but I think from what we've seen out of the first month of the year, Higgy's going to play because if he's hitting and he's catching and your pitchers are having results the way that they have, ain't broke, don't fix it.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It, with the lineup they have, JJ, let's be fair here. I mean, you don't need a guy at every position to be an all-star and to hit 30, 40 home runs. That's what Yankee fans have come to expect. You know, oh, they should have went and got real Muto. Relax. You don't need that player at every position. What you need are baseball players. Hitters. Just hitters. Take the pitch where it is. I mean, we talk about this. Every single week on this podcast, how the Yankees are built two one-dimensionally. They have the same guy up and down the lineup besides DJ LeMahieu, besides Gio Urshela who's also off to a very hot start to the season. You got a guy like Higashioka and to me, JJ. I'm looking at the last two starts as we tape this on Thursday before the Yankees take on the Orioles at one o'clock with Jordan Montgomery on the hill. But I'm looking at the last two starts. Corey Kluber, six and two thirds, best start of the season. Domingo Herman goes seven innings. His best start of the season who is behind the plate that's what I want I want a defensive catcher the offense is gravy just give me defense and call a good game at this point guys what a
3: concept a Yankee starter not named Garrett Cole pitching beyond the fourth inning or the fifth inning and listen their bullpen is stacked I mean, they're going to get Britton back. Britton, Green, a Day, Chapman in the ninth inning. Nelly, you know this, man. If you're going four or five innings deep in that bullpen every single day, it is going to take its toll. I don't think there's any question. So if the Yankees can get this sort of length out of guys like Herman and Cooper, The team's going to look a lot better. And listen, Chris, Nelly, I've been screaming about it for years about this Yankee lineup. It's too one-dimensional. There's not enough left-handed balance, diversity, whatever you want to call it. And they need more grinders in the lineup. I don't know how you change that. I don't know how you tweak that over the course of this year and beyond. But yeah, it feels like they have way too many of the same sort of hitter. And that's problematic.
2: Oh, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And with the bullpen, you're right. I mean, with guys not going back-to-back days now and they're trying to give everybody a rest, it, it's so important for your starters to go deep into the game. And, and if you can have a catcher that can get them there, then it's a huge plus. It's going to wind up paying dividends for these guys at the end of the year, especially the bullpen, when they're going to be a little bit more rested going into August and September and then all of a sudden into, into October. Uh, You know, with me, with Sanchez, you know, and a lot of teams are this way. And I think the Yankees are a big proponent of it. They're afraid if they trade him, and as far as his value, I think a team out there would say, hey, I could turn this guy around and make him into a superstar, which I think he's a very good player. He's a really good talent. I just don't think he's a talent in New York. And I think the Yankees are afraid that if he does go somewhere else, he'll succeed. And all of a sudden it's a black eye on New York, which it's not. He's just not a player that can play in that city.
3: And you have to wonder, too, with all of the questions surrounding Sanchez's defense, if maybe he'd be better off, fellas, getting the DH, getting reps there, different city, smaller market to Nelly's point. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he went somewhere and hit, what, 35, 36-some runs, if he'd have to deal with that burden of catching every day. The appeal always with Sanchez, though, was, okay, he has this plus bat, we're getting offense from a position that nobody else is getting offense out of throughout Major League Baseball. But if Gary Sanchez is going to be hitting 150-160, well, that narrative goes out the window anyway, guys.
0: It does, J.J., and, and there's so many things with what you just said there. I mean, is playing better defense. He's calling a better game, and somewhere— Scott Proctor has broken out into a cold sweat because he's thinking he might be called upon sometime in June or July for this freaking team. I mean, that's the scare I'm getting with this bullpen. You know, you remember guys like Scott Proctor and Tanyan Sturts who are like everyday Eddie Guardado for crying out loud. You don't want that going into June and July. The Yankee starters have to start giving them length. I don't even know how else to, to, to put it, JJ. They need to do better. And right now, it's it's Higgy behind the dish that's giving him that better chance to win ballgames right now.
3: And that's why I'm super encouraged. I know it's the Orioles. I know they're a terrible team. But you know what, though? You're going to have bad teams throughout the American League that you play during the year. That is when you need more length out of your starting pitchers. And Herman's last two starts, Cleveland the other night, now this game against Baltimore, really encouraging. We know he's got his demons with the baggage from a couple of years ago. The bottom line is this, 2019, he was the best Yankee starting pitcher. You go through the year, you watch those games, Domingo Herman was their best starting pitcher. If they could get that version atop the rotation with Cole... Because then, guys, it kind of allows you, if you have at least two guys who are going deep in the games, like I-, I was talking about this with the Mets with the DeGrom start. The day before, I think they had Peterson on the mound. You can manage the game far more aggressively when you know that next day, hey, I got my horse on the mound He's giving me six. He's giving me seven. I'm not going to be in the bullpen for as many innings. Those other games, you could kind of mix and match and play him to win far more aggressively.
2: Yeah, but, you know, you look at DeGrom, you know this guy is going to go deep in the game if you let him. You know you can get eight or nine out of him. Even with Cole, his pitch count gets up there so high so quickly you know, so he's a lot of times a six inning guy. And, you know, that's for a number one starter and a guy that should be a guy that can give you a complete game every time. We had that when I played in Rand- with Randy Johnson. We knew that, hey, oh, finally we have a day off in the bullpen because this guy's giving us nine. Or we had that when we had the Yankees, when we had a lot of rotational guys that was given a 7-8 all the time. We had to worry about maybe four or five outs in a game. Even with Cole, you still have to worry, hey, I might have to get the last nine outs because he's going six innings and throwing 111 pitches and, and we got to get him out of there. So it, it is tough in a lot of ways. So it, you know, it's nice to see that these guys are giving him length and it is, I think, a big part of Hagashioka being behind the plate. I want to ask you though, J.J., How's a fan? You and Chris, how's a fan react? I know how a p- ex-player reacts. When you start hearing that they're top two hitters that should be hitting 100 home runs, Stanton can't play more than five days and all of a sudden Judge comes out and has a day off because he has low lower body stiffness because he traveled too much.
3: Oh, I wasn't particularly happy about it. I mean, <laughs> do you think I was throwing a parade here in the apartment? You know, I think about your guys, Jeff. I think about Jeets. I think about Paulie. I think about all the guys on that team. They were in the lineup. Basically, I knew as a kid, all right, this is what the Yankee lineup is going to be day after day after day. All right, maybe it'd be a tweak. You guys had like a left field platoon, so maybe it'd be Ricky Leday, or maybe it would be Chad Curtis or Shane Spencer, whoever. But you kind of knew what the lineup's going to be. That is one of the inferences changes in baseball. It is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. There's not as much emphasis on guys playing, you know, 140, 145, 150 games. But, yeah, I mean, Aaron Judge is starting to get hot. Now you're hearing he, he got on the plane. And he's a little stiff and he's a little sore. Like, yeah, come on, man. It's killer. Like, the, the Yankees need Judge and Stanton to play as many games as possible. So they're thinking, all right, let's 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 lose the battle in order to win the war. Except I've kind of seen this song and dance the last couple of years. I got that notification with Judge after Tuesday night's game. And you know what my initial reaction is? Uh, is he missing a month? Is he missing six weeks? Just because I am kind of have that, like, pre-existing thought in my mind that that's the way it's going to be, dude. It's just, it, it exhausts me in many ways.
1: Lower body stiffness, guys. Well, I mean, that's me after I get the meat sweats at Butcher While- you're
3: walking from what Astoria to the park is. Uh, yeah, you know, that's that's when that's
2: my yeah. stiffness. I gotta ice the knees. Alcohol yeah. takes care of that on the plane. <laughs> all the stiffness goes away if you if you actually have some kind something to drink, which that changes too now.
0: Uh, lower body stiffness with me is actually a good thing. Um, but it's a definite different thing. Are we allowed to do that? Is this did, is did this,
1: this become a Viagra
0: commercial?
3: This <laughs> <laughs> might be it might be labeled NC uh, seventeen.
0: You
1: never know. <laughs> uh, somebody had to go there it. Explicit content for sexual the warning. There you
0: go. Oh god. Um. But JJ, yeah, I'm in the same boat, man. When I when I hear stuff like that, I I immediately revert. And you got to remember, I could go back to the late '70s teams too, and the entire decade of the '80s. And what a lot of people don't remember is the Yankees didn't get to the playoffs you yes. Uh, after 81 in the 80s but they were the winningest team in baseball for the decade they just never put winning together during a season to get to the damn playoffs so it was very frustrating as a yankee fan back then you know that's why i get agitated and i get agitated with these fans today cuz they don't know what real suffering is they didn't they don't remember the old stadium in the 80s when don mattingly used to crush home runs and it would take people legit 5 minutes to run through empty seats to get the home run ball I mean, I mean, Zach Campbell would have had a freaking field day back then. He could have got tickets up there by himself, JJ. Oh, for sure.
3: And I'm spoiled in that way, in all seriousness. Because, you know, I think about my years. Listen, sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't. I root for the Dolphins. I've seen nothing but misery. Knicks, with the exception of this year and, you know, the we live, Ewing we days. the hey, anybody A lot of, of misery. The Yankees do Think about this, though. Think about this. I've been a fan of the Yankees since, what, 1994. I've not seen a losing – because I was six years old. That's when I started getting into it. I've not seen a losing year as a Yankee fan. That's, that's pretty absurd when you think about it.
1: That's absurd considering I've seen everything uh, but winning years. As a <laughs> <John Smith's laughs> Jets fan. Somebody had to go there.
2: But here's the thing, guys. You know, If you go back in those days, guys played hurt. Guys don't play hurt now. And one of the reasons, and, and you know, I, I guess I can't fault a judge or a, well, Stanton, I can because this guy's already been paid and he's got a contract.
0: But Nelly, I know where you're going, so let me say this: he's not doing himself any favors. He's he's not making himself any money by saying he's sore, or, or his manager too. An
2: agent is, t- an agent agents are telling these guys instead of playing through injury and not having good numbers go on the IL, be out for, even if you're out for a month and they usually take a vacation, these guys, I can still get you paid. I can still get you a contract because you're not playing the whole season hurt. If they go out in free agency, you think another team, even the Yankees are going to say, oh, I really appreciated you playing hurt this season. We're going to give you this contract. They're not going to. They're going to say, hey, you only hit 25 homers this year and you batted 210 oh you you had a hamstring problem and you and you had to take it easy or your side was sore oh you know what hang with them I don't care teams don't care anymore I mean teams don't don't appreciate guys playing hurt they never did anyway but guys did it because the money factor wasn't there where you like it used to be or like it is now
3: yeah it's a fair point point. and you know you think about Judge he is the face of this new Yankee run in many ways his contract coming up in a couple of years, he's going to be fascinating. Because, listen, I think the Yankees want to keep him. I think he wants to stay. But that
2: durability going question. He's be 30, what, 33? 31, 31. That's the one
3: thing, though, guys. You know, you think about his age. You know, some Yankee fans will call me and they'll be like, oh, you're going to have to give him an 8, a 9, a 10-year contract.
0: Those days are over. Well, yeah.
3: dude, who's giving him a 9-year contract at his age and with the way his body has broken down over the last few years? He's a 4 or 5
2: die- guy, and that's it.
0: And when you have Stanton, JJ, who's your DH for the duration of his long contract.
3: Well, and that's why having those two guys, listen, they're both incredible talents. And when they're hitting balls out of the ballpark, it's fun to watch. In many ways, though, you think about that move to bring in Stanton. If the Yankees could have done it over again, considering they have a budget now. This is not the George days where they're writing blank check after blank check after blank check. They could do it over again. I don't think they make the Stanton trade. That's my personal take. If they could do it
2: over again. It's still not worth it because now you've clogged up your DH because this guy can't play the field. And he's an all or nothing. You're paying that amount of money for an all or nothing.
0: JJ, you're you're a tremendous Yankee fan, and you just said you started as a Yankee fan in 1994. You are you draw the ire of people like me because you didn't have to live through, sorry, bro. You didn't no, have sorry. to live. I could only control through, when I was born you through know? all the awful pitching that I had to live through the Eric Plunk days, um, the Andy Hawkins days getting killed by Frank Tanana and the Tigers every time they took the field. Who was the guy that
2: couldn't pitch at home at Yankees? They didn't because he got booed so badly.
0: Is that
3: Eddie Whitson? Yeah, Whitson. Probably Ed
2: Whitson, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I
0: mean, I just, when you start as a Yankee fan in 94, two years later, the guy that you're talking to came onto this team and and the run just started. So I have to ask you, what are some of your favorite memories growing up, watching that dynasty team. And what was the first game? Can you remember the first game you went to, JJ? Oh, yeah. I think it was 1994. The Yankees
3: were playing the Angels. Jimmy Key was on the mound. And uh, my favorite, Paulie O'Neal, I think homered in the game. So I remember going 94, super ramped about that. Then I went 95. Remember O'Neal hit three home runs against the Angels? And that was when, remember... The Yankees made their great run getting into the playoffs with Mattingly. Nellie's Mariners went on that insane run, winning the AL West, and basically the Angels completely collapsed, and it started right at the end of August. But then I remember seeing Pettit, and then that was it. I mean, I that, I remember staying up super late as a kid, watching that 95 series, and I remember hysterically crying, Chris, when Edgar hit that ball down the line and Griffey sliding in, and end up winning not the world. Little did I know my team would go and win four titles in five years. So, you know, I think about like the seven-year-old kid yelling and screaming and making, you know, a fool out of himself a little bit. It was worth it knowing what was coming in the years ahead, you know?
2: Well, you know what? If if somebody would have pitched a young Mariano Rivera a little mm. more in that series, it would have been different. Because I remember Tino Martinez and, and Edgar Jay and, and even Griffey, they said, if this guy pitched more, we probably would have lost that series. But somebody didn't want to pitch him and only pitched him in certain situations. They kept wanting to go to Wetland, and we hammered Wetland all year and continued that in the playoffs. Well,
3: and think about you guys winning that 95 series and what it meant for the next couple of years. Well, it kept us us in Seattle, for one. Well, I I was going to say, great point. The Seattle Mariners still exist, but then the Yankees, Mattingly retires. Buck ends up leaving. Torrey comes in. Jeff, you and Tino Martinez come in. All these changes that were made to the team that just ended up being the perfect stroke of genius. Girardi behind the plate. Like, every move they felt like they made in 96. It was like that magic touch, dude. And that year was, I mean... Out of all of the championships, 96 still is by far and away the best. I don't know. Because, listen, 2000, you guys couldn't lose to the Mets because then I'd be hearing Jake for, like, the rest of my lifetime. <laughs> the, see, like, I, in many ways, as sick as this is, the Yankees won three out of four. But if the Mets had won that 2000 World Series, I feel like there would be a damper on it, as crazy as it sounds, Jeff, because the Mets fan around town would still be pounding their chest about it. Oh, yeah, him, I'm
2: dude. moving to Siberia, too. I'm not uh...
3: – <laughs> George, I think what had all you guys banished that would have been it <laughs>
2: exactly I
1: mean, Nelly always jokes about you know we had to beat the Mets you hated the Mets you the Mets offered you a contract and you said no you said yes, you didn't want exactly. to pitch for the Mets Ugh.
2: I God. wasn't going to the Red Sox or the Mets that you was non-negotiable teams, never
3: so that was non-negotiable for you
2: Nelly no Red Sox I had no a Mets. deal yeah I had a deal in 05 to go to the Mets they had it all worked out and all I had to do was sign and the Mariners wanted me back. I said, no, I'm going to go to Seattle. I don't want to play in New York or that that side of New York. He didn't want that stain on his career. No, I, I, I don't. I'm not a big orange fan. So, you know.
1: Jeff and orange and blue. No, yeah, no, no. Not a good look. Don't look at my shirt. Uh, there's some
2: guys that did it. I think Stanton played both sides. Strawberry Gooden. I mean, there's some guys that did it. Ventura, Coney. Yeah. A, lot of, yeah, yeah. a lot of guys
3: play Yankees and Mets. Yeah. For sure. Not Nelly.
2: Not Robin, Nelly is a batman
1: <laughs> jj how how has the shift been uh to the podcast game you're up with us on in the morning usually this might be your hours of sleep at uh 9 a.m in the morning
3: Ah, uh, yeah for sure jake even when i was doing evenings i mean i'd be rolling out of bed on a 10 30 11 o'clock but yeah man it's been great like i did radio for nine years so i wondered how like the transition would be going to the podcast world and basically it's the same sort of stuff I've always done, man. It's New York sports. We got voicemail callers involved. Uh, the guests have been really, really good. And, you know, Bill lets me be me. You know, like Manny being Manny. He's letting JJ be JJ. So, you know, I ain't broke. Don't fix it. I feel like I'm four weeks in. I feel like I've been doing podcast land, guys, for like five years, which is crazy to think about.
0: Well, it's crazy to think that you were doing radio for nine years because I was at bar anticipation when you won that contest. How about and that? Yeah, how about that? I was down there with uh the Mike Francesa show at that time. I don't think Dog was with him anymore, was he? I'm like, no, time I think Dog right was now. gone at that. Yeah, point, he was man. gone already. But I can't believe how fast time flies, JJ. I mean, and you did such a tremendous job uh on that contest. We knew we we were all sitting there talking when you were up there doing your monologue i was just like this guy's got it there's no way anyone's beaten this guy and you've taken it you've run with it and you don't you do a terrific job and i think one of your best traits jj is how you bleed your team's colors man That's why so many people could relate to you, and that's why you're such a good talk show host. They know you're right there with them in that seat, especially, dude, I'm the furthest thing from a Dolphin fan, but I can sit there and listen to you because I feel that, brother. I feel it. Well, listen, I appreciate it, but you can't fake this stuff. You know what I mean, guys? Like it's, (laughs) I I wish I
3: could tell you, you know, I have all these grand plans and, you know, I sit in the lab saying, oh, this is how I'm going to sound zany and passionate and (laughs) and into it. No, man. Like this is what you see is what you get. I mean, I I can't tell you any other way. Like I'm going to be me. I'm going to go on the air. I'm going to let it rip. Some people may like what I have to say. Some people may not like what I have to say, but I'm going to try to back it up with as many facts as I can, throw opinions in there, and listen, keep it lighthearted and fun, guys. I think that's the most important thing. I think some people try to get way too cute with this stuff. They try to be something that they're not. Yeah, I'm kind of the zany, crazy guy who would be, you know, yelling from the right field upper deck uh, to the sports bar to the uh, television in my living room. That's me on the radio or in podcast land.
0: Nelly, your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> now he's like, yeah, it's a little disturbing. I'm, think, I'm thinking about it. if I heard
2: it, that if I heard that voice in in '96 or when he was like eight or nine years old, pitch, saying, yeah. "You bum, you bum." <laughs> How no, can you throw? Guys, it How can you do that? Who would,
3: who would be the guy I'd be yelling at on your teams? It's like, see, that's the problem. You guys are so damn
2: good. But you know I what the thing really, of it is? Is the easiest part. You know, I always loved coming into New York when I was in when I was a Mariner, even before I was a Yankee. I mean, I just love the craziness. I mean, the fans, I grew up an Oriole fan and couldn't stand the Yankees all through minor leagues and and even when I got in the big leagues. But when I went to New York, I understood why everybody hated them because they won all the time. But the thing of it is, is that when you play there, you knew you were going to get booed at some point because they don't leave anybody out. They're booing Bernie Williams. They're booing Mariano. They're booing Jeter. And you sit back and say, holy crap, if they're booing these guys, then I deserve to be booed too if I stink. You know, it didn't bother me as much. Yes, you would say, oh man, how do you? I mean, we would have guys like Clemens, Cecil Fielder. We would have superstars come over. I mean, look at Randy Johnson. I mean, Randy Johnson came up to me and said, "How did you play there?" You know, I don't understand how you played in that city. I mean, he's, if you throw a couple balls in a row, they're letting you have it. I'm like, well, you know what? These guys are passionate fans, and you just have to know that they're booing everybody, and you know, at the end, they're going to love you.
3: Was it easier for you, Nelly, to feed off the positive energy when you were a Yankee, or the other way? When you would pitch against, let's say, the Yankees and you got fans giving you the business or whatnot, was there one that you liked like feeding off of more or it didn't really matter?
2: No, it, it didn't matter, but it, you know, I went to New York and when I pitched in New York, it was more that I fed off the negative energy because I was one of those guys that said, you know what, I'm not getting booed today. I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get written about. There's I'm not I'm not gonna be back page news. And I use that as as not intimidation or, or like anxiety or, oh, I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. I was basically saying, I'm going to stick this up, you know, who or the, you're, the, you're wherever
0: yourself up. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was like, they're not writing about me today and I'm not going to be the <laughs> goat. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get cheers. And, and that's So I use like the negative stuff that New York brought it to my advantage i was like you know what i'm going to go out there and and, and that's how i'm going to pitch you know when i played in the playoffs they're not talking about me today they can talk about the guy behind me but i'm going to go out and do my job and i'm not i'm going to be forgotten about so it was not easy but it was easier knowing that hey you know what I, i'm going to get booed if i don't pitch well i know i'm not going to be perfect every time but for the majority of the times uh, they're not They're not saying stuff about me.
0: JJ, brother, host of New York, New York on The Ringer and Spotify, SNY contributor, formerly, of course, JJ After Dark on WFAN. Uh, you could follow him on Twitter again, at John underscore Uh Congratulations on the new gig, brother. If anybody deserves it, it's you. And thanks for some time today. We appreciate it.
3: Guys, thanks for having me on. Keep the big guy, Mr. Brown, in line. I hope to see you guys <laughs> at the stadium for a couple of brewskis at some point. This We're hoping
0: year. to do that. We're hoping Long to do that.
3: You got it, guys.
0: That says goodnight to episode 48, the Don Zimmer edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Ongia with the facial for producing the show. Give Pinstripe Pod a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the support. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We return on Monday following the Yankees' three-game set in Detroit. Enjoy the games, and as always, thanks for listening.